guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. We have a great episode for you guys today. And I know I say that every week, but this one this is, is really, this really is good. This is very entertaining. This is the one that I've been working on for probably a year. You know, some of the uh, the old school dudes aren't that easy to get a hold of. Sure. So it, it's uh, it's always great when we can get them to come on and talk about their race experience. Um, today we have Klaus Ludwig, uh, known as Koenig Ludwig, which means King Ludwig in German. He's also known as the King of the Ring, which we find out how we got that name later. Um, he's the winner at Le Mans 79 in a 935 with the Whittington brothers. And You should know that name from our history story. Yeah, he also crazy uh, Whittington brothers. Yep, yep, 84 and 85, and second in 1988 with Hans Stuck and Derek Bell. And he's got a kind of an interesting story about, uh, about 1988. He was also a DTM champion in 1988, 1992, and 1994. So many, many years of uh, DTM uh, championships. He's very accomplished. Very as a accomplished. Driver. Hence, hence King Ludwig. And there's a lot of other victories that he has. This isn't it, but we could go. Yeah. We could go on. If forever. you're not a big, um, I guess, historic race fan, you may not know the name right away. But this guy is like renowned. This in guy, Germany. This guy carried the Whittington brothers to victory in 1979. Yeah. Race reigned almost the entire race. It was a wow. very, very heavy rain race. I'm going to guess that he. Um, raced well over half the race yeah, and uh, really carried those guys to victory, which is, you know, that's kind of what uh, I think that race, him winning at Le Mans really kicked his career off too. Yeah, I think that was, like that, was a, that was a good start for him. All right, before we get into the interview, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Petrol Box. Petrol Box is a monthly subscription service that is specifically made for the automotive enthusiasts. Each month, you order a box from them and they give you Contents that are tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, all the latest and the greatest in the industry, they put together and send it right there to your doorstep. And there's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. You have the Petrobox Basic, which costs less than 20 bucks a month at $19.95, and the Petrobox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. We get them every month. They're awesome. They're always fun to open. It's like Christmas morning every time. I got, I got wheel cleaner in one of them, and I have, I just, why... Wheel cleaner should come in like a 50 ounce container because <laughs> you use wheel cleaner a little bit and it's gone. I don't understand. Like I have the green You want wheel just cleaner, a 55 the, gallon drum of wheel cleaner. I need a drum of wheel cleaner. I, I don't just, know if they're going to be able to pay shipping for that <laughs> for $19 a month. That might be a bit off. Regardless, check these guys out at mypetrolbox.com and use the code overcrest at checkout to get $6 off your first month's order. So do you watch DTM at all? Have you watched any of the- I know of it, but no, I, 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 don't watch it. So Klaus raced in kind it. of like the golden era of DTM, which is when like, I think of DTM, I think of those super wide Audis. Yeah, the big. That's the, what they are now, right? Wait, or are you thinking that you were going to think? No, of no, those, no, I was back in with the, the 80s. turbo fans. Yeah. yeah, the big, the big wide V8s. That yeah, it's right when they basically ruined, ruined DTM. It. Yeah, yeah, ruined. It. Yeah, that's that's, that's basically <laughs> because it. yeah, Klaus's uh, heyday was basically the original M3 <laughs> and the. Mercedes 190E Evo cars. Yeah, the Evo 1, Evo which 2. Which he, wait for this, Chris. Yeah, he admits. Uh, uh, well, he just, admits. We, no, 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 he doesn't admit, but we will ask him. I don't want to give it away. We do ask him if it is a grandpa car or not. <laughs> and he does, he does, he does give us a very clear answer. <laughs> yes, he does. Which is unfortunately indisputable. <laughs> Knowing the source. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing the source, it's fairly indisputable, and, yep. I, and I've been ruined. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 190, definitely a grandpa car. Um, so yeah, DTM now, if you... Well, DTM then was 
if you went to the race and you looked at the cars, you could go, okay, I can leave the track and go to the dealership and buy a car that looks exactly like this. Yeah, you could go out and buy an M3 and it'll look virtually identical minus some stickers and a roll cage. Right, and now... You look at these cars, and I've seen, like, I saw an Audi DTM car. Yeah, at the they're based race off at of like an A4 or something. They're not. They're not based off anything. It's, <laughs> it's basically a spaceship. the The engine is like next to the driver. They move the engine way back. Everything is carbon fiber. Right. It's a tube frame. It doesn't really. It kind of like the headlights might. You have the silhouette of the car. Yeah, you can tell of, what kind of minus car it is. All the gills all over it. Oh all yeah, the, the arrow. Like it's what's insane is if you get down and you look underneath the car yeah. and you look towards the back of the car, you can see out the front of the car. The way that the air passes through the car and the under tray and everything like that. If you get down and look at the different angles yeah. and the way that they funnel air through the car, unbelievable, unbelievable. But right. to me, that doesn't look that like an makes, A4 on the showroom floor. No, no. To me, it makes it significantly less interesting sure. than seeing a car that's got an engine that's based off the engine that I'm actually buying. It's less relatable, right? It totally is. And it's it's unattainable. And it's so, I mean, these cars are hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, granted, back then in the day, these these uh, Evo um, M3s and, and 190Es were also pretty wild in comparison. You had a, an, a like an M3, for example, would be 192 horsepower as you would drive it off the showroom floor, right. which is like pretty boring they're a pretty sedentary i don't want to hey i know all the e30 m3 god's chariot guys are kind of screaming at me right now but 192 horsepower four cylinder today compared to like some of the other cars right. out there sure is compared to even the the six cylinder which has more torque right like a 325 is or something like that okay. it's not super interesting to drive however no, the race cars the race cars like 380 horsepower yeah, or something damn like near that. 400 out of horsepower. a four cylinder Nuts. awesome amazing and the amount of work that they did to get that much power out of them and the mercedes was the same they had like maybe i think klaus said they have 10 less horsepower or right. something like that and to make that jump from 192 horsepower up to well over 350 horsepower out of the same engine was crazy. I think he said there was, on the Mercedes, they bored them out so much that there's only two millimeters of... Between the cylinder walls. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Where's the water jacket? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, this... Everywhere else. The, the motor cannot be overboard any more than that. I mean, you throw the motor away when you're done. If right. anything well, he happens, said, you're, you're, they're just junk. He said caught. these DTM races back in the day, they'd be only an hour stint, basically. Yep. And in between the races, they would just swap out the engine. That's incredible because they were just so high strung. Exactly. And uh, one thing that I, I love about watching those old races, and it's you think they bump a lot of NASCAR. <laughs> these guys were all over each other. Yeah. Absolutely all over each other, all the time, 24-7, jumping curbs, dirt everywhere, flipping in the air. It's one it's thing unreal. that real. I, I love to the description that back in those days, it was unanimously understood that you won or lost the race in the very first corner. So all of the drama and all the cra crazy chaos, basically, in that first corner was just nuts. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, as he, he'll talk about Salzburg, one of the races where that was the case later on in the podcast, which... Speaking of it, we should probably just get to our interview with Klaus. Um, here we go, guys. I hope Without you enjoy it. Without further ado. It. Yeah, Klaus Ludwig. Hello. Koenig Ludwig, how are you? I'm fine, and you? Very good. It's nice to hear from you. Yeah. It's, uh, what, what are you, yeah. are you, uh, are you in the car right now? Yes, I'm driving my car, yeah. What, yeah. what is the king of the ring drive? What are you driving right now? What do you go, what do you got going on over there? Hey, my boy, I'm going to hunt because we have the the deer running around like crazy. And I want to see if I find one this afternoon. 
So I am driving in an Amarok. An Amarok. Ooh. Volkswagen. Volkswagen Amarok. <laughs> That's awesome. That's just one another cool car that we don't get here in the United States, or cool truck, I guess I should say. Yeah, the V6. I have the V6 with 258 horsepower. Really great car. Really great car, I must say. Yeah. I see a lot yeah. of guys convert those to Overland vehicles, where they're driving around in the dirt and the mud yeah. and everything out. They lift them up. They, they're they're great trucks. Yeah, I don't drive it in the mud, but um, I, you can you can go wherever you want, and it's very comfortable. It's a good car. Yeah. So I was thinking, so, as, as you're driving here, do you ever head over to the? Do you ever just hop in your car and drive over the Nurburgring with like hat and sunglasses on, totally incognito, and uh, and do a few laps on the on the Nurburgring just for old time's sake? Sure, do it all every year, a couple of times when they have. Um, uh, those days where where you can uh, rent the ring, let's say there are maybe 100 cars, and then you can go as fast as you want. And some friends have GT3s, and they all ask me to drive them around. So I say, okay, I drive you around, but only if I can take one or two people from my side and drive them around and make them happy. Everybody is totally happy. It's fine. <laughs> I, bet, I bet they are. I, I went around the Nürburgring, uh, but I drove a Mercedes A-Class diesel. Which is uh, uh it's, it's, it's a big fuck. No, that's not good. No, no, it certainly was <laughs> no. certainly certainly was not good. Um, so I want to find out where did you grow up, uh, Klaus? When you when you were a young boy, city called Bonn. It was the capital city, and now it's very close to the ring. It's about forty minutes drive. So uh, there was a where I was grown up, and then uh, since uh, oh, twelve years, I'm living. In between, between the city of Bonn and the Nürburgring in the mountains, uh, overviewing the vine area of the R. It's nice. Good to live. The last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. What? So what kind of cars were you into as a kid that you were driving around? You know, do you remember going to the Nürburgring for the first time? I started, time yeah, yeah. I started with the NSUTT. I don't remember if you know, I don't know if you remember that. The small mm -hmm. NS, uh, NSU, it's, it's a very small car with a four-cylinder engine. But we tuned it up to 120 horsepower, and it, it was nice, you know. And then after that, I got a BMW and transversed it to a little race car, everything by myself and friends with with parts, which we really we, we used parts which we got from friends, and la 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 la, no money. And um, yeah, and then pretty soon I was uh, I was spied out by some people who said, "Oh, this guy is driving well, so maybe he can drive our." real race car and then i drove with them and then ba 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 but it all happened on the Nürburgring. everything happened on the Nürburgring. and uh how old are you at this time years, when, you're, when you're driving on the Nürburgring in these cars yeah flat out you 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 you, you know you you had to pay for the lap if you wanted to drive like today but i did some races there were let's say six hour race, uh, four hour races, night races and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and whenever I had enough money to enter, I paid the fee and drove. And after two years, I drove with some people who had good cars and they asked me to drive with them. And from that time on, it was uh, uh, cost free. So when did you know that you were going to be a, uh, racing was going to be your career? It was going to be your job. Uh, I must start earlier. My father was a great fan. I drove with him to the Nürburgring all the time to watch the races because his friend was the director of the Nürburgring and we got the tickets free. So we went there and looked, blah, 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 and I never had the dream to drive by myself. 
But when I was 16, I started, you know, with my moped to drive around the ring. It was not allowed, but we did it in the, in the evening when it was closed. We threw it over the fence and then we, and then we drove. And uh, when I was, when I was uh, seven and a half, 18, I immediately started to drive around there and pick just, a quick, on, better a cars, better cars. How long did it take you to drive around the Nürburgring on a scooter? That's probably got to be your slowest time, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. How did we get? There? You know, you drove there. No, no, no. You, for, for the uh, on your scooter, what was your lap time? That must have been very slow. Uh, Twenty-five <laughs> minutes. Twenty-five minutes. It had. It was three three horsepower little thing. You know, it's crazy downhill, flat out, uphill, uphill ten k. So it was. Yeah, but you know, it was total, total enthusiasm. So nice, very good time. I remember. Was that an old? I remember very, very. Good. No, I didn't have the money for that. No, it was an NSU quickly. And then after that, a Chrysler Florette. That was a good thing. And then I tuned it up to 10 horsepower. And then it was quick. Then we did uh, 16 minutes and uh, 17 minutes and downhill 130, uphill 60. So that was, um, yeah, long time ago. Wow. That's uh, actually about the same lap time I got in that Mercedes A-Class, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so I know every little piece of that ring uh, since I was very young. Yes, it, that was my 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 unfair advantage over some other guys. Yeah. Well, that's why they call you the king of the ring, I imagine. No, that was because I won some races, uh, and and then was one journalist. He he invented that, and I, what can you do? Yeah, <laughs> take it. Uh, yeah, yeah, love it or leave, love it or leave it. So I, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Tell us about what racing at Le Mans is like compared to other events that you've done. Le Mans that time for me was yeah, more or less the big world of racing. It still is. And it was very, very dangerous. And when I was there, I lost some friends like Joe Gardner and so blah, blah, and uh, hated in one, in one term, I hated it. And in the other term, you wanted to win it. So what, was a ambivalent uh, situation. You made the best of it, but but I, I tell you, every lab I did at the end of the Milzan straight, I I said thank you God, thank you God, thank you God. Every lab, I was so I was so afraid that something would uh, break or tire would blow up or a, or a fox would cross the street. With three sixty, a fox would mean that you are more or less uh, yeah history. And the and the safety at that time was really poor. The guardrails were shit and very low, and wow, that was really dangerous. I tell you, that plus, was plus the ambulance is a Peugeot, so you never know if it's actually going to get there or not. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know when you do when you do oval races like whatever Talladega or or, or Charlotte or, or Daytona, you know there's a wall and you know they hit the wall. But if you hit the wall, that's it. And if you survive, that's it. But in Le Mans, if you go in the guardrail you for sure demolish it and fly in the woods and then you are definitely dead and that's what i was always aware uh but uh, i was lucky so tell us about meeting and getting to know the whittington brothers how did that relationship come together um i was racing for porsche kramer and we won every race uh in that season 79 and we won uh uh, yeah, and then the Biddings uh, got in contact with Kramer's, 
and asked if they can drive Le Mans for Kramer. And for sure, they paid like hell. So Kramer said, yeah, you can run with our top driver. <laughs> so I was suddenly I was in there with the Williams. And um, I was lucky to drive. I know the car was good. And we were very, 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 very lucky to win that race. But in this specific year, the competition was not so dramatically high, but it was good enough. It was raining a lot. I did. I, I think I wrote it in a book. I did 13 hours of the 24 and the others, uh, the other hour did the guys. I, I must tell you one thing. At that time, I didn't know that they were in the drug business. But in the, on the weekend, the weekend moved on. We had a lot of fun. And then uh, Don came to me and said, do you think Kramer will sell me that car? I said, why not? Do you know a price? I said, I don't know. I speak to Kramer because Kramer's didn't speak English. And so I went to Kramer and said, uh, hey, uh, they want to buy the car. And he said, oh, yeah, we can. But what, what can we take? I said, hey, ask 350. The car at that time was worth 250. And um, I said, ask 350. Oh, we cannot do it. I said, okay, if, if, if I do it for you, I get a provision of 20% or 10%, 10%, 20, 20 grand. Yeah, 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 do it. I went to Bill and said, hey, Bill, we can buy the car. He said, what is the price? 350 okay. Okay, <laughs> half. No discussion, no, not one second discussion. Then I knew, okay, there's something really strange. And uh, yeah, and then they, they bought the car. We swapped. Uh, I, I think he said that uh, Bill, uh, Bill has to start, uh, whatever. I don't know. I don't really remember. And then we did that race and won the race. Wonderful. And after the race... They wanted to have the car immediately to America. No way to go with the car. They were smart. They were not dumb. And so they said the car tucked to America from Paris. Chung, the car was flown out and they had the car. And then they put it into Indianapolis uh, Speedway. And that sit was sitting there for years and years. And now Mr. Myers is owning the car in California. And uh, yeah. And then after that, they said, hey, come over to America. We do some racing. And I said, okay, what do you pay? And they said, oh, no, paying is not the problem. <laughs> and then they, they, we flew with the, the private plane. They had a, at that time, they had a, a Learjet and we flew with the Lear. Oh, it was, yeah. I said, no, it was a Lear. And we flew to the races, had a lot of fun, did some loopings. <laughs> Shit, you know, they were really, I was at home, total super wife. Don had a really nice wife, and it was we had good parties, good time, absolutely. And there was no idea of drugs or so. Nobody of them took drugs. I think they were the financial guys behind the behind the thing. I don't know. So we did some race. We did. We won Watkins Glen with their car, with our engine. We flew an engine in, and they bought the engine, and they bought the car, and another. I think they bought three cars then from Kramer in the end. And I, do you know what I got in provision for all these three cars and Le Mans car? Zero. Zero. Because I was a dumb asshole and didn't make a contract. I just said, okay, is it a word? Is it a word? Yeah, fuck on the word. Oh, no. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was. They stiffed you. Yeah. I still, I, yeah, and later on, I, I made the, you remember that when I was driving the, the Texaco Porsche for Bayside Disposal for Bruce Levin, I made the sponsor deal. I, because we had the Sierra Cosmos here in Europe, I drove that car, and when we, and when we got the championship, the world championship, the, the big CEO from America came over to, to say hello and to meet us, and we went to Solder, and he said, can I drive with you? I said, okay. We put a sit, seat, second seat in the car. We were driving around up to five laps. I said, 
stop. No, go on, go on. So we did 25 laps of real race distance. The guy was totally into this. In the evening, we were at dinner. And I said, hey, why is Texaco not, not involved anymore in America? Oh, he said, oh, there are political things. And I said, come on. I'm driving in America with a team, with a Porsche team. Do you think you can sponsor us? One week later, we got a million. Wow. And I was not in the deal. Can you believe that? Oh, man. And after that, and after that this guy started the Texaco and Raddy deals. Millions of dollars, tons of dollars. I the only thing I would have said, I stop racing and I do the, I do the 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 the, uh, the, um, the business for you in motorsport. And he would for sure he would have said, yeah, Klaus, you are my man. He, would, he was a really good guy. And I also said, I, I want to do some more races. I, I could have I could have earned millions. It wouldn't have been as fun though. Idiot. <laughs> yeah. But you got to drive a 962 instead. I mean, that's a huge, that's nice, right? I know the drive 962. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Before we get to that, what was it, what was it like to drive a 935? Because we all kind of, we, we love that car, ah. but we don't know what it was like to drive. What was that thing like? Okay. Uh, I, I forgot it totally until a friend six years ago, he bought a, a, a Kramer Kai 3. The car was in bad condition, and I built it up for the guy completely with some some guys, and we tested and tested and tested. So finally, we got a real good car over it. It was pretty original. And then the, the memories came up. So I can tell you it was a beast because it had a lot of horsepower. The, the, the grip was really good if you had the right tires, really, really good. The downforce was a bit poor in the front. In the rear, it was okay. It was really good to drive, but you had to get dialed in with that thing because it was a real beast. Uh, the same was the Porsche for Le Mans. It was the 962. It was undrivable in the end of the day because it was a low drag car with really poor downforce. And they all dreamed from the under tray downforce uh, and that really didn't work so good. So we, that car was really a handful to drive in Le Mans. In the corners, the four corners and so, you were all, always sideways. The car was always two, three degrees sideways. You had, you know, it was not really grippy. The sprint car with the high wing and the, and the short under tray, that was super. That had ground effect. That was a good car. But the Le Mans car was in... In order to get over with that 50 liter rule, you had to do that. And that was the only way to, to go for the for the 24 hours. So, it, but it was a beast to drive. Did you prefer and, the, uh, the, the previous, the 956? Or... Yeah, the 95, 95, uh, it was the same. 962 was the same, like 956. The wheelbase was 10 centimeter different. Maybe the, the shorter car was a bit, more responsive in the front but yeah yeah i don't remember i don't really remember and then that time i didn't think about it i just was thinking about how can you win the race and we, we made a good setup we made this and that and the end of the day it was okay but i don't i cannot say totally true that what i felt at that time you know? so you I raced was, quite a bit I for zach speed too like after after le mans 79 i think you went and raced a capri and that car was supposed to, you know, it had a 600 horsepower turbo in line four. And I yeah. think that was supposed to compete with a 935, didn't it? Did it, Why didn't that car work out? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was lighter. It was it was a, a tubular frame car. It was really good. It had good ground effect. The engine was tweaky. You know, we had the power, but you could not use it for a complete race distance. You had to you had to baby it all the time. Baby, baby, baby. You know, you couldn't read the Porsche 935. You could step your foot in it to the floor, uh, to the ground, you know, through the floor to the ground. You couldn't destroy it. But the Capri was so, uh, oh, it was uh, pri- fragile. So you had to drive very, very carefully. But if you, if you drove it like that, it was fu- fucking fast, you know, around the fa- fast corners. And that was really, really, really good. But it was also a very, very dangerous car when you look at today. The big crash with that thing, mm, not so easy. Aluminium tubular frame. Shit box. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Zaxby yeah. go to court just to get you to be able to race for them? No, they did. Did it go to court? Why did they go to court? That's Why? what I read. On, that's what I read is that they went to court to get you out of your contract contract to be able to race for them in the first place. No, 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 no. It was different. Uh, I was I was working up for Zaxby. I was working for Ford Motorsport. Michael Kranifus. He was running the Ford Cologne Motorsport Department. And when I was driving the 935 for Kramer, at the end of the season, I was champion, won Le Mans, blah, 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 blah. And then we were negotiating for the next season, for 1980. And I said, come on, guys, I have to earn a little bit of money. I have a family. I have two kids. You know, I have to earn a little bit of money. And uh, they said, yeah, but you earned last year. I said, yeah, I earned because we won everything. I earned the prize money, but you didn't pay me. And then they said, yeah, but like, we can pay you 25 grand. I said, are you fucking crazy? And at the same time, Ford Motorsport came to me and said, 10 times the money. And they said, yeah. <laughs> so I went to Kramer and I said, to be fair, you did a great job. We are friends. Let's, let's find a solution. And they were totally no. We find no solution. We don't. Can you? We cannot pay you more. And blah 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 blah. And I said, okay. Then I leave. And we never had a contract. Nothing. I left. And after that, they sued me. And um, this, they came with four people who all raised their their fingers in the air and said and swore that Klaus Ludwig did say yes. I drive for you next season. And that was a big, 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 big schweinerei. And then, uh, yeah, I lost. I lost because they they were lying at the court, and I lost, and I had to pay all my money back, all the prize money to pay back, seventy five thousand no. Deutsche Mark. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was back. To, I was back to zero, back to jail, and uh, and but it was I was lucky. And Ford Kranifus told me before, okay, when they do something, have a bad, then we pay that for you. And that was not written in the contract. And then and then I had to get the money back. And I said, hey, come on, cry. First, I, you, I get 75. I said, where is that? Where is that written? I said, you fucking asshole. You son of a bitch. Like me, man. Always the same. Everywhere. It's... Motorsport is not so easy or not so fair. Yeah, you, you, you see it from the outside as a as a enthusiast. You think it's this, just this big romantic thing that everybody's getting along and just yeah. racing and having a good time. Yeah, 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 but I want to earn money with it, and all the good guys have to earn money with that. The same is uh, the same as Reinhold Jörs. Reinhold Jörs, when I won the first uh, eighty-four Le Mans, it, uh, it, it, he came to me and said, uh, "Can you drive for me the next year?" I said, "Yeah," but now we have to 
get a little bit more money like last year because I think we can win again. I said, yeah, 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 but I cannot pay you a lot. I said, okay, I do it for that and that. But when we win again, I get a Porsche from you, uh, Carrera. He said, okay, no contract. You won the race, on the rostrum. I said, I'm the luckiest man of the, of the year. I won a Porsche Carrera. And he said, yeah, you get one next week. And I said, oh, that's good. Then he called me up and said, yeah, but it was not, it, 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 was, it was, it was, I didn't say that. I, I, I was thinking about, you know, a, a model car or something. I cannot, pay, oh. I cannot give you a Carrera for 70 grand. Yeah, I didn't get it. Nice, huh? Yeah, that's awful. All, all is pigs, 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 everywhere pigs. No problem. In 1984, you raced with Henley Pescarolo and won, but you only had two drivers. Yeah. Was it difficult yeah. with only two drivers to push through and get that win at Le Mans? It was hard, very hard, very, very hard. The last four or five hours, the, dri the track was driving, not you. It was really, yeah, it was strange. And a year later, we did the same, Barilla and me, because the, win the guy Winter, he was only paying. And he did, I think he did, in the end of the, he did one and a half or two hours. Uh, it was 50 minutes under, under safety car. So in the end of the day, he did 20 minutes or something like that. That was the key factor to win. Because he was too slow. He was five seconds too slow. And five seconds, no way. Parilla was very, very good. Was, How do you keep yourself from, I mean, so, obviously you're going 220 miles an hour or whatever. You know, in qualifying trim, these things were going 240. But on the track, you're going 220 miles an hour. Do you even, after four hours, you must get tired and almost fall asleep. I don't understand how you keep yourself awake doing this. Uh, we changed after after hour by hour, and I did always a double stint, two hours. But two hours was okay. Two hours was okay, and I was fit, and I was dialed into that to that system. That was no problem. To me, it was no problem at all. But at the end of the race, you were totally finished. That's for sure. Yeah. Today, the run is four drivers, and la la la. It's much 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 easier. Yeah. In '88, you finished second at Le Mans. You raced with Derek Bell, and then you went on that year to win the DTM championship. Yep. And so basically you went yeah. from DTM at, at Northring to Le Mans, back to DTM again yeah. at Woodstuff Airfield. That must have just been like yeah. the most crazy month ever. Yeah, but I was I was similar to the cars, no problem. I stepped in the car and after one lap I was at home. Uh, 88 Le Mans was for me one of the biggest uh, um, um, disaster in my career. Because blame, blame me later after, I, I was uh, the guy who lost the race. But that was absolutely untrue and unfair because the, the tank system, and if you want to see that, you go on, on uh, YouTube and you see Hans Stuck telling an American journalist that we had in the morning hours that we had a problem with the tank. I was, I was in my 11th lap and I had 11 liters left, so I did one more lap, which is... Because at that time, our electronic system, the Darab system, was perfect. You know, it, it counted the, 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 the gasoline for, you know, quarter of a liter. So, I, and, and I did another lap. And when I was at the end of the Mulzahn, the car started to cough. I pressed the knob for the reserve tank, and the thing was dying. Boom! No more engine. So I rolled, I rolled and rolled, and then I switched back to the main tank, started with the starter motor, the engine started, boom, 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 up to 250, boom, out, switched off, roll, 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 and I, I made it to the pits. We lost 
three minutes, three and a half minutes. No problem. We knew that there was a problem with the tank. We couldn't repair it. So we decided we go only 10 or 11 laps, not 12. And they did not say that to the press and not to the public. They said Ludwig lost the fucking race. So they blamed the you for not we keeping track of how much gas the was in the car, basically. I did no, I did not make a mistake. No. Right, right. There was just no the, the reserve tank was mistake was in the car. Or... Yeah, the yeah, the, the filters of the it was a pretty uh, good system. They had two pumps to to pour the the out of the main tank and two uh, pumps for the for the reserve tank, one for forward and one backward. And in between were filters. And the car was a brand new car and they found in the filters they found that yellow tank foam and so the the reserve tank was not working no problem we fought it we fought back we were leading again in the morning hours and then a fucking water hose broke for the from from the cooler to the to the engine and until they have found that that hose in the truck and put it in we had to take the body off blah, 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 blah. We lost another four minutes no problem we were fighting back and we were in the same lap i think we were just a minute behind the jaguar and then you see the watch of the clock is five minutes to four and the marshals went on the track all the marshals went on the track so they, they the smart ass tom walkinshaw he knew exactly that his car was dying because they had a big problem with the crown and pinion that and, and the gearbox it was really falling apart and they could use only fifth gear I, you know john lamas told me that a couple of years ago and they were really 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 dying and then he went to the organizer and said, hey, stop the fucking race if you don't want to win the Porsche of the Porsche. And they, they went, sent the marshals out. You can see that exactly in YouTube. It's all on, on the film. And you see, we would have won that thing 100% because we were flying at the time. We did about half a minute faster than they did. So in that lap, in the last lap, I think I would have caught the fucking Jaguar. So and basically the end you're of the saying day, that the... The race organizers or the marshals were tired of having Porsche yeah. win because they'd been winning there for, at that point, 15 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, 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 and they yeah. just didn't want it, yeah. want it to happen again. So they came, the marshals came out on the track. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Walkinshaw did it. I think he went to the race director and said, Hey, what can we do? And he said, Oh, I said, No, the marshals, no problem. Five minutes to go. You must watch it. Look at that in, in YouTube and you make your own, you make your own choice. It is really, it is crazy. And that, and then they blamed it on me, these assholes. What can you do? Until today, Shook and all the guys say, and Derek Bell is really still pissed. He said, you fucking asshole, you lost Le Mans. And I could have won. Derek would have won then six or seven times like X. And yeah, what can you do? It was, it was a big disaster for me, but I survived. Let's talk a little bit about DTM. What made, because in America, we don't have anything like DTM from back in the day. And uh, when I look at it, it seems like uh, it seems like only almost the hockey of motors of motorsports, right? Everybody's kind of bumping into each other and checking each other, and uh, it's really fast paced. What made DTM special? Well, we had a, a couple of main manufacturers: BMW versus uh, Mercedes, and Audi in between, and uh, and Opel a little bit. So, and really good drivers, uh, you know, stars like. Soper and 
Edge Dookie and me and 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 Mars and everybody. So that was good in Germany. We had a, we had massive crowds and it was good racing, a lot of bumping and you know and enthusiastic fans. Good. It was a really good time. Really good time. Well, kind of so it, describe a DTM race for me. Like, how many laps did you guys do? Because it wasn't you didn't really have pit stops or anything, right? It was pretty quick. Yeah, one hour, one hour, uh, and later one hour Saturday, one hour Sunday, two races, and then later two races on the Sunday between in between uh, break of 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 um, of twenty minutes or so, and then we build these cars where we could change the engines in between in twenty minutes, and and then and then. So that was always very dramatically and was good in TV and German TV live. So that was good. That's very, very good crowd. You never see those crowds today anywhere. Uh, Why do you think that is? Indianapolis also. Times have changed. People are doing them much more sport by themselves. And, 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 you know, the time has completely changed. And and here at the Nürburgring, if you see a 24-hour race, we had it three weeks ago. Uh, through due to the fucking uh, COVID nineteen, we had no spectators allowed on the track, and da da da. So, but they could open for ten thousand people on the grandstand. Oh, they came maybe they came four. They, the two hundred fifty they come when they can go with their tents, with their grill party and drinking and have party and you know then they have two fifty. So it's ambivalent. You know they didn't, they love the racing, but they don't want to see all the time. It's the same in Daytona, you know, they sit on their motorhomes, drink beer and have a, have a good time. Uh, the real fans, it's hard to say. This weekend we have the Formula One here at the Nürburgring. Uh, 20,000 people allowed. All the tickets are sold. 300 euros is the cheapest ticket. So the people are paying for this fucking, fucking Formula One. And I am driving a DTM car from 1996. The Mercedes ITC in, the, in one of the support races. Tomorrow we have practice. Yesterday I had my COVID test. And tomorrow we're going to start. With 71 years. I'm crazy, I tell you. I'm totally crazy. <laughs> so you drove for Mercedes and you were driving in a 190E. And uh, I've had a 190E. Yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoy that car. Jake, my co-host here, thinks it's a car for Deropa. Right? He thinks it's a grandpa <laughs> it's car. It's the grandpa car. He thinks yeah, it's a grandpa yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. Tell me why yeah, the yeah. 190E is not a grandpa car and why it's so good. <laughs> Uh, I cannot tell you. As a race car, it was it was complicated, but it was at the end of the day, it was good. They invested a lot of money, so yeah, they they, they wanted to go racing. They wanted to beat BMW at that time. They wanted to show that they are sportive. Mercedes was the grandpa uh, manufacturer, and then they, they they changed slowly and slowly and slowly to younger people. It's still fifty one. But they wanted to come down to 45, but it's not so easy. <laughs> so, Klaus, you agree it was yeah. their Opa car before that? Yeah, klar. Yeah, klar. Oh, In the end yeah. of the day, yes, yes, yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're killing me, Klaus. <laughs> no, so, no. So, I tell you one thing. I would like, I would like to have, I would like to have an Evo 1 or Evo 2 today to drive around, but it's too expensive. They, the idiots pay 250 for it in the moment. Even for that, for a car which has one hundred thousand attack. So uh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want that. But um, yeah, the Evo cars, the the sportive cars, were really for that time. At the time, if they were really, really, really good. Which car was better for in your mind, the one ninety E or the M three? Um, hard to say. I know I drove the M three on a race of champions once, and I won the race of champions with it. At the end of the season of 1988, 
when I was uh, with the Fort Sierra champion. And then we had a, on Sunday, we had a race for champions. Then they swapped cars. So I drove the Tuxpeed M3 and that was really fucking good to drive. The engine had more torque and was revving very easy. So that, that was a bloody good car. It was, it was not so easy to beat, I tell you. It was not so easy to beat. From what I can but, uh, see when I look at the videos and stuff is the, the 190E yeah. seemed to be a little bit better in the straights, a little more power, and then the, the M3 was better in the corner. No, 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 no. I reckon that the M3 had 10 horsepower more than we had. We had the best engine we ever had, had 380, and I think they had 390. They were really, Russia was doing a fucking good job. They had a lot of experience with, uh, with engines out of Formula 2. Uh, you, you must remember the Formula 2 BMW engine was the engine, was the two-liter engine. That was fantastic. And that was the same engine in the end of the day, the same constructor. And he had a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, the block was better. The 2.5 was very critical because we had, between the cylinders, we had only two millimeters or what. Very, very thin. It was really, 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 very dramatically, that engine. It was not easy, I tell you. We destroyed a lot. We destroyed a lot. but. Uh, we won the championship in the end of the day. Yeah. But not too easy. It was not really built for racing. Yeah. So in Salzburg, there uh, in 88 was a disaster. What happened yeah. uh, during that oh, race? Idiots, oh. were, idiots were crashing into everywhere. And after three starts, I went to the organizer and said, I go home. I don't, do, I don't want to have my car destroyed. And they were pissed that I, I was the driver, speak of the driver. So I said, let's stop that shit here. It's not a track to race. It's, it's, and then never had a race there it was, was why was everybody crashing i mean it was it like a dtm thing or because there was four separate starts at the beginning of that race they kept restarting it yeah, over and over again. yeah yeah you know everybody wanted to win and everybody thought he may he, he has to win in the first corner and the first corner was after that long straight pretty high speed and they all came together and boom 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 yeah idiot so tell me about Hockenheim in 1988 and what happened between michael schumacher and johnny chicotto I don't know, nothing. Schnitzer still believes that Schumacher did it on purpose. I tell you, he did not do it on purpose. And, and Mercedes would never have used something like that. Never, 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 never. That was not on purpose. It was just, he was a little bit pissed because he was not as quick as me and as Schneider. And, blah, blah, blah. and then he, he, he tried to do that, the same thing that like I said before. He tried to win the, the thing in the first corner. And that's, you know, they were fighting for position 10 or something. I don't know. It seems Crazy. like Michael Schumacher, what he did was he, at the beginning of the race, he cut across the track for whatever reason. He got bumped or whatever. And then he ran right into Johnny Chicoto, who basically was out of the race then. And um, that would have taken, out of all the cars that were there, to go across the grass, jump the curb, and run into him would have been yeah, 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 more yeah, yeah. skilled than to win the race in the first place. Yeah, claro. No, he couldn't win the race because he was not quick enough. Michael Schumacher was not God. Michael Schumacher won races when he had the best car. Like every race driver is winning races when he has the best car. Yeah. I, I don't know anybody who can win a race with a shitbox. So um, he, 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 he break too late. And then he, the only chance he saw is crossing that thing with, with, like with a go-kart. And then he hit Chicago. Very, very sad. It was not good. But he did not do it on purpose. And nobody's... Uh, paid him for that or said you have to do that because crazy crazy stuff no no way he ran into he ran into other guys that on purpose in formula one he, that that's what he did on purpose later 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 in like uh, like a hill or so but not, not with that car no 
So the last lap of the Nurburgring, I think it was 88, maybe it was 89, you were you were neck and yeah. neck with John Shikoto. And at the end of the 90, race, you kind 91, of... 91, 91. Okay. Um, tell us about that yeah. last lap with John and Shikoto and how you were able to kind of trick him. Uh, you know, we had, he had Michelin's. I had Bridgestones. He had some advantage here and some advantage there. He came out of the corners better because the engine had more torque. Like I said, he had more power. And I had a little bit more straight straight speed because we went really little wing and la 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 la. And I said, okay, how can you win that thing? If he is behind you on the straight, he will overtake you. You so you have you have to you have to be the second when you come on the last straight, like with the with the bike with the bicycle drivers. So I came on the straight, and then I took his slipstream and boom, out of the slipstream, and we we touched a little bit. But that's uh, kindergarten, you know. It's not. It, it's it's. Uh, it was it was good, but it was not dangerous. What the guys doing today with the GT3 cars is is thousand percent more dangerous because they are on higher speed and it was fun. Chicago was fair. I was fair. We just touched a little bit, but at the end of the day, okay, that was okay. It was a good race, and uh, we had three laps where we back and forth, and yeah, good race. Not too bad. What was it like when Audi came to DTM? Uh, yeah, it was it was unfair because the, the car with the V8 and and all that uh, development, you know, the, we had basically we had no chance. The car was with a four wheel drive and the V8 engine, and they had the easy 100 horsepower. In the end, they had 150 horsepower more than we. They had to carry more weight, but due to the wider tires and the four wheel drive, they were unbeatable. Unbeatable. You had no chance. That was not good, but uh, they wanted Audi in the series and they made the mistake not to say only with a two-liter car, whatever you do, but not with that V8 four-liter. That was shit. That was not good from the from, uh, regularity. So when you look back, what the is handicap. your most uh, memorable career moment? When you look back at everything that you accomplished over your career, what do you, what do you every most moment, fond of? Every moment. Every moment. I'm, I'm happy to survive. To have survived, I'm happy to still be in good shape. I'm looking forward to the weekend and everything. I'm looking always to the future. And uh, today and the future is is for me. It counts, and the rest is uh, history. The most things I've forgotten, and I'm not living in the history. I'm living in the in in now, and I hope I have some future, good ten years to come. Then I'm happy. And now, and now I go, and, and now I go hunting, and now I go hunting. Yeah, man, that's gonna be, that's gonna be good. One more question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you speaking of the future? What are your thoughts on Formula E, the hypercar classes of Ma, hybrids in Formula One, and all the other pushes towards electrification in motorsport? Um, I must be careful. I must be a bit careful of what I'm saying. I'm not a fan. I don't think that the future of the modern mobility, because I don't think we have the resources, we don't have the materials, we don't have the energy. So it's a dream, but um, the only future we have is special fuel. And we built special fuel. You build it in America, we build it in Europe. It's expensive in the moment, but if you have... uh, if you have uh, uh, the possibility, and even if it costs maybe a, 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 a 
one euro more than normal gasoline, it will help. And the biggest, the guy, and the bigger, the, the Vorstand from the Bosch, Mr. Denner, he said that three years ago. And everybody, ah, how can he say that? How can he say it? But he was the only one who was right. But the political thing is at the moment, they all want to go electric. And the big Vorstand from, from Volkswagen, Mr. Dies, he is telling that Volkswagen in three, four years is only building electric cars. But I don't see the way how they tank the car. Where do they want to tank the car? Where do they fill it up? Where? We have not the, we have not the infrastructure. structure, And if millions of cars suddenly are there, yeah, we, we have no more um, what is it, uh, nuclear, uh, uh, nuclear uh, energy. We have only wind and sun and a bit of water and <laughs> there. So I don't know where they want to take it from. And the whole world is so big. How many cars do we have in the world? 2.5 billion cars. And they all will drive electric. We have the batteries for them. We have the copper and we have the nickel and we have the cadmium and we have all that stuff. We don't have it. It's a dream, but it's a, it's a nightmare dream. It's stupid. It's shit. I shouldn't say that because, but I'd say this. I think they said uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we want to go hybrid. We want to build hybrid cars. And a hybrid car for me is fine. I drive a hybrid car. Yeah, I agree with it you. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You know, you can, I use with my GLC hybrid 400, 300. I, I, it, it takes 4.2 liters of gasoline and the rest is electric. That's wonderful. And I can drive 40 kilometers on my battery. It's enough to go to town and back. Wonderful. And then I tank it. And that doesn't take so much. Like a, like if you tank a full electric car, you have to have a wall box. You don't get a wall box in Germany anymore. You have to ask. And they say, yeah, in two years we can deliver. So if you buy a car, you don't get a wall box. Can you believe that? Stupid. Yeah, the infrastructure is is the, definitely going to be the biggest struggle, no question about it. I just, if for me, I look at um, I look at all the push towards um, electrification and motorsport and and hybrid and Formula One and Formula E. All seems to be, yeah. uh, it's like this runaway train of everything yeah. is going in that direction, and it, and it can't be stopped because we've all. I mean, Volkswagen invested thirty or forty billion dollars in doing this. And everything yeah. is, I mean, Honda just pulled out of Formula One. They're done. They're not building Formula yeah. One engines anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, until 20, until the end, until the end of 21. Those next year they are there, but then they stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but Honda is a, Honda is a fucking small manufacturer. What is Honda? Honda is nothing. How many cars do they build? Nothing like Volkswagen, that's for sure. Yeah, nothing like Toyota. Toyota, stop. They, they built hybrid cars. Hybrid cars, for me, okay, the rest is bullshit. Thank you, Klaus. I really appreciate it. Hey, good luck on your hunt. I wish you luck. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that man has a hell of a story. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> no question there. Um, I think, uh, before, well, before we recap, do you want to, do you have anything for yeah, us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. Oberk is a Midwest manufacturer of polishing compounds and supplies that is research tested and developed 
by professional detailers themselves. These are the guys, they formulate it, they research it, they test it, and they also are the guys that happen to detail cars. So you know what you're getting and they know what it goes into it. Obert products are designed to decimate swirls, holograms, and oxidation on your vehicle's paint. And right now, Obert is offering 20% off any order online with the code Overcrest. Now, the discount code is good not only on ObertCarCare.com, but also on Car Supplies Warehouse and DetailedImage.com. And Chris, what's great about these guys is it's a two-step system. It's basically foolproof. You and I were just talking. On I'm going to go after here. my. So they're uh, they're sending me a couple of things. I'm going to go after the truck with it. There you go. I'm going to go after the truck, which is the PT, the patina truck, but it's single stage. And I'm going to see what we can do uh, with the Oberk stuff. And I'm going to post about it and do do a couple of stories. It'll be fun. Awesome. All right. So one thing that I thought was interesting is he he didn't really hold back on the uh, the way that motorsports works. Right. And it doesn't. <laughs> there's a lot of shadiness that goes on. And yeah. That's nothing new. No, it's 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 not. But it's kind of interesting to hear kind of the you know the, the behind the scenes of it because we always think of it as this just this romantic thing that you know these guys just get up in the morning and. They put their pants on. It and seems they just, like pure, like it's just pure competition. It. And it's not. It's, it's it's politics. It's politics just like anything else. And, and back it's then, money. It, was, uh, it was totally a get it in writing or don't kind of thing, it sounds like. It sounds like. that way. And uh, that's too bad. I mean, they at least could have given the guy a 914 or something, right? I mean, if they weren't going <laughs> to give him a Carrera, they could have just, you know, given him a, maybe, or like a 928 or something, just to, yeah, to kind of help the guy out a little bit, but... Oh, we meant a model car? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Get out of here with that. I know. Uh, all right. Well, we will see you guys on Friday, I guess, will be the next time that we talk. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. That's right. All right. We will talk to you then. Take care. Bye-bye.